Hi, this is Tom Rotolo, founder of CityQuake. Welcome to our podcast where we feature messages that will change your life. I believe that Christians around the world are way overfed with teaching and way underactivated. What do I mean by that? We don't put that teaching to practice in our everyday life and it actually makes us worse off. We know biblical truth, but it has not actually transformed our life. Well, I've chosen messages for these podcasts that will inspire you and challenge you to live out your identity as a believer filled with the Spirit of God. It's time to not just fill seats at church anymore. It's time to see our cities transformed for the kingdom of God. Get ready to be activated. Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood to forgive you, to make you clean, to make you righteous in the sight of God so he can move back inside of you and live in you. I don't think we should talk around that. There's something amazing about that. And I think we ought to be okay talking about that, that that Christ in me is the hope of glory, uh, the glory of God. Any seen or realized or manifest attribute of God is the glory of God. So any realized attribute of God is the glory of God revealed. And Christ in you is the hope of God being seen and known. And I went to church a long time and never knew that. I never understood that. I thought you were just supposed to read your Bible, try to be good, stay away from bad things, and make sure you're at church. I don't know about you, but that's what Christianity was. Christianity was when I die, I'm going to heaven because I prayed a prayer. I'm supposed to read my Bible regular, stay active in prayer, and make sure I attend a good word church. That's what people say. And that's all I knew. Is that what you were told when you became a Christian? That's what I was told. And I didn't understand that he wanted to live in me and, 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 and be in fellowship with me. I didn't understand that he would minister to me and in a secret place I could actually get to know him and who he is was bigger than just reading my Bible. It was, he was relevant. He was in me. He wanted to change my motives, my reason for being. He wanted to change my life. And, and in that, he wanted to touch others through that change. Are you understand what I'm saying? He wanted to, 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 to touch others through that change. So when I met Tom and Tom had the vision of power and love, it was amazing. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's the whole reason we're saved. The whole reason we're saved is to love one another as we love him. Like we're loving God. And as we're in love with God, we begin to love one another through the reality of who he is in our life. So we're not trying to minister. It's not a burden. We're not under pressure. It's not, did I do enough today? It's just, did I shine? Did I walk in love? Was I hooked up to purpose? Come on, if we can keep it that simple. So I'm going to talk about some of this stuff today, but I'm, 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 I'm just, or tonight, I'm just reminiscing when I met Tom, his vision. This, this whole power and love thing, City Quake, uh, God birthed in Tom a long time ago. And I just commend him. It's, it's been a long, yeah, it's been a long thing because you don't know this. You don't know this, how unpopular this whole idea was in the church when Tom first started doing this. Like nobody wanted to come to a power and love. Because nobody wanted to, between sessions, go out and pray for nobody. They wanted prayer. But they didn't want to go pray for anybody. They wanted ministered to. You know, we've kind of done that in church. I'm not being mean, I'm not scolding you, I'm not starting out of the gate being a hard hit here. 
But we've almost generated a ministry-crazed people that are always looking for something from God instead of becoming something because of God. And there's a big, dramatic difference. There's a difference between just always having a need of something and being fulfilled in Him. When you see who you are in him, you know, some people serve in a ministry, they get their identity from it. Some people are part of something because they kind of feel it, like makes them fit, feel important. Man, it would be way better if we'd be a part of something because we already see who we are. See, a lot of things go wrong in our relationships and even in our church attendance and our service. Sometimes things start out good and they end muddy and it, it would never be that way if we came into this thing healthy knowing who we are right out of the gate. If I'm serving for affirmation, I'll probably be let down if you don't affirm me the way I need it. If I'm serving because I love God and I want to lay down my life and live for the kingdom and you don't owe me a thing, we're probably going to be good. Are you following me? Come on, be real with me. If you've been around us, the church a while, there's hurt, there's offense, there's issues, there's stuff. Who's a pastor? Who's a leader in here? Am I telling the truth? Ninety-some percent of your counseling and your stuff is people struggling with people. Am I telling the truth, leaders, counselors? Okay. So that's your concern. If it's people struggling with people, and we're called to walk in love. We're called to love like he loved us. He doesn't have issues with me. He lives inside of me. He actually loves me. It's hard to get that out and not fall apart on you. I pulled together. I didn't get flaky. I didn't get weird. I started to. But I'm all right. Look, the God of the universe lives inside of me. He lives inside of you. I don't know if that ever clicked in you. I don't know if you ever laid on your bed at night when nobody was looking or around and you just affirmed that he loved you and appreciated that he was there and he just began to make himself real and known. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I've been doing that for 26 years. So there's some things about me that I have to pull together just to communicate that part. Because he's not a theology. He's not a memorized scripture. He's the God of the universe, and he's my father, and he lives inside of me. And it's a really, really big deal, and I found myself in him, and I'm not needy anymore. I'm not insecure. I don't need your attention. I don't need your appreciation. I have him in me. I know his love, and I'm filled to the full. So now my motives are clean. My feelings aren't getting hurt. I'm not offended. I'm not jaded through 26 years of Christianity and 24 of it in ministry. I'm having the time of my life, and it's getting better and better and better. And I've really calmed down to talk about it. Been through trials. My wife went through some stuff. My kids made some bad choices. We all have circumstances, people. But I'll tell you what, if you have truth, it'll take you through every circumstance. And you'll come out of it like you've known him. And you'll be just like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And yeah, there was a fire. And yeah, it was hot. But when you look at them, you can't tell they were in it, and it doesn't even smell like they were in there. That's Christianity. The fire isn't their story. The Lord's their story. And I'll bet you them guys had something about them that made people wander. I'll bet they were pretty ramped up after that fire thing. (laughs) They probably weren't like, whoa, that was cool. You going to be in service next week? Yeah, I'll probably make it. Okay, see you there, Benny. Good deal. They were probably pretty excited. You probably couldn't calm them down. They were probably like beyond a chill pill or relax, guys. It ain't all that. See, if you walk with him, there's something about 
joy unspeakable. There's something about good tidings of great joy. And we all say we believe our Bible, but when I read these scriptures and I look at us and I think, you know what? I think life is speaking louder than truth. I think there's things that are mattering more than what matters most. I think we've been tricked into theology and just doctrine and what we believe and what we agree with and what we don't instead of just step right in and have this amazing relationship and intimacy with the one that made all of us. And he wants that. I promise you, he wants that. Like he wouldn't do what he did on the cross if he didn't want that. Jesus wouldn't be innocent and get intact there as if he's guilty, raising from the dead and taking the keys with him and then putting his life on the inside of us if he didn't want that. Come on, when I was little, I just had this weird idea. Oh, well, he did that so I could go to heaven because that's all I was ever taught. And then I'd wonder, why does he want me in heaven? He seems so far away now. He's not real. He's like, is he some old man on the clouds? Is he looking down at me? Why does he want me in heaven? Why would he do something so dramatic so that I'm in heaven on the day that I die or when he comes? Whatever you prefer to believe. See how I covered some bases there. (laughs) If I didn't cover those bases, the people that believe one or the other might just not hear anything else I say. They would just stop right there. (laughs) I'm sorry I'm not doing good am I (laughs) this is all I was ever taught I was ever taught as he died on the cross so I could go to heaven when I die I don't know about you it's just all I was ever taught nobody ever really told me heaven wanted to come into me nobody ever really told me it was possible to walk in love and not be offended and be a merciful guy and actually care about people and love others even more than I love myself. Nobody ever really told me I could do that. I got reading my Bible and found it's all through scripture. (laughs) I found that it's everywhere in scripture. And it's all about loving you like he loved me. See, when you don't understand his love, then you don't love well. If you don't see how forgiven you are, you walk in unforgiveness. If you don't receive his mercy and you don't see that you're not condemned, you'll have a condemning mindset towards others. You'll judge a book by the cover. You won't see a man for his destiny. You'll see a man for what bothers you. But man, if you see him clear, if you see him clear, then you'll have the best look at people you've ever had. I promise you it's the only reason I'm here. I believe everything I'm going to tell you this weekend. I don't, I, I don't even know why I'm telling you this with all these cameras running. I don't let Tom give me an honorarium here. I buy my own plane ticket. I come because I believe what we're doing here. I get nothing when I come here, Mon- monetarily. I refuse to take anything from Mr. Tom. I'm here because I want to be, and I have faith in what's in his heart, and I believe we can live what we're preaching all weekend. That's why I'm here. Now, I I didn't need to tell you that. It just felt like I was just going to tell you that. So this isn't a business deal where I'm concerned. There's monies involved. He's administrator. I stay away from that. I'm just a Jesus guy. I like to read my Bible and love on people. I'm not an administrator. I tell Tom, don't lay hands on me. (laughs) Hug me, but don't be in faith for anything. Just hug me. Just be my friend. He's amazing, administrator, there's a part to it, it's real, I'm not, I'm not an administrator. 
So I'm not saying that whole part's a business deal. It takes money. You got to pull things off. You got people, equipment. You got stuff, right? Everybody knows that. But I'm letting you know I'm here because I want to be. It's the only reason I'm here because I want to be. I didn't have to be. I came here because I want to be. Just letting you know that. So I started reading my Bible and I realized heaven wanted to come into me. I wasn't waiting to go to heaven. Heaven was here. Jesus says stuff like this. He says radical things, guys. He says, don't look here. Don't look there. Heaven's in you. The kingdom of God's in you. The kingdom of God is in you. Don't look for it. It's in you. Well, if you're not sure how much God loves you, if you don't see how forgiven you are, if you don't understand the spirit of God's in you and he's anointed you and your cup's running over, you might not realize the kingdom of God's in you. You might wake up and live by feelings and not feel so hot and not think so good of yourself and actually feel like you got something to prove or earn or learn. And the whole time the kingdom's in you. You might be letting life decide who you are and how you are instead of truth. You might be finding your identity through a lot of things that have nothing to do with things that are eternal. You might have your value wrapped around your past instead of your present and your things to come. You just might not totally understand and things are being destroyed and people are being destroyed for the things we don't understand. So in all you're getting, get understanding. That's why we do these services. Because I'm telling you, you have an answer on the inside of you. And his name is Jesus. You have a purpose on the inside of you. And that's called walk in the light as he's in the light. And let your light so shine. That's why we're on the planet. Like if you're not on the planet for that reason, you're not going to be walking in the grace of God very well. You're going to be on some long, dry journeys and on some roads where it doesn't seem like gas is in your tank because you're not seeing why you're here. You're not here to tolerate people. You're here to love people. You're here to lay down your life. You're here to follow Jesus. Not sing to him and pray when you're overwhelmed. Follow him. Are you guys all right? Come on, there's nothing I'm saying that's not totally, fully scriptural. We're supposed to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. That sounds like a good deal. Are you in? I'm in. Yeah? So what's that actually mean? That means I'm following him. So I had the challenge when I got set free and saved when I was 33 years old, grew up in church, grew up in church, quick on by the time I was 20. I'm not blaming it on anybody. I just didn't understand. I didn't have a revelation. I never knew I could just go open a bedroom door, close it, sit down in there, open a Bible and meet with Jesus. Never knew Holy Spirit would be there and fellowship with me and open my heart and cause me to see if I was hungry. Never knew it. Never knew it. I just thought I was saved by the skin of my teeth. I was hoping my name was in a book called Life, and I was hoping that if I did die, I was on the right team. That's what I was hoping. But I had no revelation of God. What you said mattered. You could hurt me. You could bless me. You could break my heart, or you could make me feel good. My life was pretty much like I learned everybody else's life was, living in the moment for the moment and getting by. You know how many people are Christians to survive? You know how many people become Christians because their life is troubled? You don't become a Christian because your life's troubled. You become a Christian because you haven't been living what you're here for. You don't just start reading your Bible more because your marriage is in trouble. You read your Bible more so you can know him, so you know how to handle your marriage. You're not trying to win points with God. He wants to be your father. People say, well, things have been really rough. I think I need to get back to church. No, I think you need to get with him. We just become religious and don't realize it. And we do a lot of things without becoming a lot of things. Yeah? 
Are you guys okay or is this too harsh? I'm, I feel gentle. I don't even feel intense. Usually I'm intense when I'm talking like this. I feel real happy and I feel smiley. I can cut your heart out and smile. <laughs> I can do it. I just enjoy it. <laughs> I'm a mosquito. I'm going for blood, baby. And you're naked. <laughs> you are so vulnerable. <laughs> you're the here. You're here. I have total access to you. See? <laughs> oh boy. So see, somebody's gonna take two sentences I just said out and make a YouTube video and call me something terrible. And they'll just build on them two sentences without knowing what I was saying. New perverted doctrine from Dan Moeller. <laughs> Jesus says, do not fear. He says in Colossians to put off anger. He didn't say manage it. He said, put it off. He said, don't fear. Come on, fear has been normal to every one of us since the time we can remember. From little. Anger, nobody had to practice. And yet he says, don't fear and put off anger. I could talk about a lot of other topics and moods and emotions that are in Scripture. Complaining, murmuring, grumbling, loud quarreling, evil speaking. All those things came normal to all of us. And yet the Bible says that they should never be us. That's amazing. Hard to preach this stuff sometimes because people think you have to stuff your feelings and not be real and face reality and try to like put on a good showing and just learn how to control all these things. No, I'm talking about what the Bible says. Put it off. If you put it off, it's not there. Now, would the Bible say to put it off if there was no way possible to put it off? Thank you. Who enjoyed Keith today? Y'all enjoy Keith today? <laughs> Keith's one of these guys that got saved. <laughs> Changed. Transformed. Jesus changes people. When I met Keith, he didn't believe he had a chance. He thought he was already signed up for hell, so he's going to make it good. He was hurt. Deep in his heart, he wanted change. Whether he'd have told you that or not, deep in his heart, he was reachable, whether he knew it or not. Yeah? And I've personally had the joy of watching God transform that man's life over the years to where he can stand up here and be effective and be on point and have impact. Why? Because everything he's talking is what he lives and what he's become. And it's real. It's real. And I've watched it. I watched it. See, I'm not bringing up some bad thing. I'm saying Jesus changes lives. You're not who you used to be. You're who you allow him to help you to become. When I've, the reason Keith and I met is because he came into a service cynical because he said, let's go see the circus or the carnival, whatever. I was doing a service. He said, let's go see the carnival. It was a healing service, open to the public. He said, oh, my goodness. They saw the marquee sign. He said, let's go in and see the car check out the carnival. While I'm preaching with all sincerity, he's interrupting me with theological questions, cynical questions, while I'm teaching. The man that taught you this morning. Come on. That's a powerful testimony. 
Because I'll tell you what, if I mark him, if I stereotype him, if he's a burden to me, if he's a thorn in my flesh, if he's under my skin and I don't have new skin, I don't even have time for him. He's cynical, he's lost, he's assignment from the devil, he's out to, and all of a sudden, I don't even, he called me for a long time cynical. But deep in his heart, you know, deep in your, your heart, you know that deep in his heart, if he could see the truth, he would look at it clear. He would be changed. You know that he doesn't really know what he's doing because love understands. So I just always have the same answer, always have the same answer, always have the same answer. And you never got the impression that you were a burden to me, did you? People on a burden, they just don't see. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're... Well, he sure looks like he knows what he's doing. He's got a plan. He's just being cynical. And I don't like it. And he's rude. And he interrupts you while you're in the middle of preaching. I'll bet you God ain't saying that. I bet you're just saying that. I bet your feelings are talking. I bet human intellect and reasoning is at bat right now. And you're getting a lot of hits. <laughs> I'll bet you the way that seemeth right. To a man is speaking. You know what my Bible says? That I'm never to judge a book by a cover. I'm to see this man in Christ for his potential, his destiny, and his purpose. And I can't get away from these words. Forgive him, Father. He doesn't know what he's doing. Because if he really saw, he wouldn't be doing what he's doing. I just can't get away from it. So it's, you're not trying to love him. You see the truth. You get it? So I'm not biting my lip going, oh no, there he is again. See, because if I'm doing that, he would get that impression. And I watched God slowly, because of some of the behind-the-scenes struggles, slowly access him and touch him. And it was actually a couple years in where all of a sudden the lights came on and he had a specific encounter. But here's what I can tell you guys. If you don't sow seed somewhere, nothing's going to grow. And if I get my eyes on what is and isn't working, then I'm turning this Christian thing into a method instead of a lifestyle of love. But if you just sow seed and you just put water on some things that might have already been sown, who knows God's faithful and he'll cause increase. So I got this story, and it's not that long ago. It's not a real old story, is it? Ten years. Eleven years, the revelation hit him. Eleven years ago, eleven years ago, I watched him change, and here he is preaching today. I sat back in the room because I just got in on a flight. I sat in the room back there, and they had a big screen. I just sat and watched him, and I was just like, I know that guy. <laughs> My little security buddy, is it Tom? Was it Tom? Tom. See, I pay attention. Tom was in there, and I told him the little story. He said, Tom came in, and he said, this guy is awesome. Man, he's on it. I'm like, yeah, he is. Because see, when you're in that place, and all of a sudden God changes you, listen, I think some of us, some of us, all we need is a deeper revelation of why he really sent his son. And get a little bigger inside than Blessing, provision, protection, and the things that concern me being kept by God. 
Because honestly, that's the biggest distraction of every Christian's life. They're a Christian for their sake instead of his name. And they're just a Christian for protection, provision, and blessing. And then if those things aren't in order, they're frazzled and falling apart. And they could read, don't fear, but they're freaking out in fear because their motive is self-preservation. If you're a Christian for you and not his great name, you will never run well. How's that for straight talk? You will never run well and your life will be up and down and that is not Christianity because your motive allows it to happen and your emotions never get free and aligned. How can you put off fear when fear is so natural and normal to every one of us? How can you put it off? How can Jesus say, do not fear and expect us to carry that out? When it seems like an uncontrollable emotion Am I being? It's when you get alone with him and recognize and realize you're not alive for yourself. That you love not your own life unto death. That you've denied yourself. You're picking up your cross and you're following him. You're not a Christian for your sake. You're a Christian for his great namesake and the sake of others. And that gets in you and you start realizing. And all of a sudden your whole purpose and motive in life changes. And all of a sudden you're not a Christian for safety. You're not a Christian for protection. You're not a Christian for finances. You're not a Christian so you don't go to hell. You're a Christian so he lives in you and you fulfill everything he created you for. That's why you're a Christian. Watch this. Scripturally, there's no other reason for Christianity. Now, we've built tons of churches, and we do tons of services, and we've gotten pretty good at services. You can get really good at doing church, but you can fail to be her. We're her. We're the church. The service is so that we stir one another in love and good works and stay focused and stay in the know and don't let life ever speak louder than truth because truth is where freedom is. And all of a sudden, if you're a product of what you're going through, you're in big trouble and that's just all about your story. You've got to be a product of what he went through so you can even look at what you're going through. You can't even look at it rightfully unless you know who you are this way because now you're just somebody hurting, someone forsaken, somebody done wrong. See, if you get betrayed in life and you live betrayed, that's an evidence that you don't understand what I'm talking about because you're becoming a product of life instead of the giver of it. And now you're a Christian to get through life instead of shine in the midst of life. Are you with me? See, because if this isn't true, you won't even see the people around you. And then evangelism becomes works, and now you're pressured, and you're not good at it, and you feel like you're not doing enough because you ain't reaching out. No, no, your life is an outreach when you're walking in love and you're complete and fulfilled. It doesn't mean your circumstances are going well at all. It doesn't mean everybody around you and that is dear to you is treating you right. It means you see truth, and you see clear, and you understand why you're alive, and there ain't nothing that can change your mind anymore. You see what I'm saying? See, if I woke up for you to love me today, I'm only as good as you're doing me. But if I woke up to be loved, we're already good. If I woke up to shine, if I woke up to model Jesus and live in Jesus, if I woke up to need you, you could rub me wrong. If we were a church, if we were a congregation that met here, if we were all from here and this was our church and I came here with some other arterial motive just to fit in, to find myself in this ministry, 
I'm all excited and I meet the pastor. You're awesome. And then months unfold, but my motive's going to give me away. My motive's going to find me out. Something's going to happen. Somebody's going to touch me wrong. Somebody's going to say something. Next thing you know, pastor ain't like he was when I came here six months ago. We've been thinking of moving on. This church ain't what it's seen. It's, 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 it's not even the church. Anybody ever see this stuff happen? Yeah? <laughs> Or am I like totally off the wall, just way off? Listen, I've been saved 26 years. That's not eternity. 24 of it, I've been in full-time ministry, and I didn't ask to be in full-time ministry ever. I've just been. You know, they got me all over YouTube. I never put myself on YouTube. That would be weird. Hey, put me on YouTube. See if I get a thumbs up. Don't tell me if I got a thumbs down. Just tell me, count the thumbs up. I don't go on YouTube. I didn't even know I was on YouTube. Somebody told me I was on YouTube. I said, what am I doing on YouTube? Somebody said, well, you got, you're not on Facebook. You got a Facebook page. I don't even know nothing about a Facebook page. It's not me. I'm zero technical. I'm zero social media. I don't own a computer. Yeah, it's what people do. <laughs> I don't own a computer. I have a smartphone, but I'm not smart. So I get by. And I've only got one of them because society forces me to because I can't make phone calls anymore. Clark Kent, he can't manifest. How's he going to manifest? How, Clark Kent, there's evil all over the earth. It's because Clark Kent can't manifest. He's running from corner to corner. He can't manifest. <laughs> How's he going to manifest? I was just in Chicago. I saw a payphone. It has a computer screen on it. A payphone. It had a screen. And you'd... I thought, it's good I have a smartphone. I wouldn't even be able to use the payphone. <laughs> they call it convenience and easier. I don't know what's easier than just dropping a quarter and dialing numbers. <laughs> My... <laughs> The, the, the new cars, you got the apps on your phone, and you lock your door and open your door with your app. So I got to go on my app to open and lock my door. Just give me a key. How is that easier than just going? <laughs> just convenience, brother. Convenience! <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> Instead of, then something that happens, the app don't work, or something ain't downloading, or beep, beep. I'm just not really happy about technology. <laughs> I told Keith, I told the Lord the other day laughing, I said, Lord, I know you don't make any mistakes, but I'm just wondering, is it possible I was born like 70 years too late? I'd have done really good 70 years ago. If 70 years ago I was 59, 70 years ago, that would have been perfect timing. No, I know better. So I'll get through it. But see, Unless I talk about it, you can't say, I'm not, I don't look stressed to you, do I? I don't look frazzled, do I look mad? I don't look mad, do I? You know, life happens to everybody, right? See, if you get betrayed and done wrong and you're living done wrong, you don't have a solid identity in the truth. You're letting life decide who you are and how you are, and you're a sitting duck, man. And if Satan's real, which he is, he'll just push every button and keep you frazzled. And you'll tithe and you'll sing and you'll raise hands and you'll kneel and you'll pray and you'll look good, but you won't shine. 
See, if I'm concerned for me and I'm not seeking first the kingdom, if it's all about me and what I'm going through and how I feel, how am I going to shine? If I'm not free, how am I going to shine unless I'm trying to and now I'm projecting, now I'm trying to reach somebody because I probably ought to pray for somebody now and then and then there's pressure on my life and then I feel like I'm failing so I draw back more and next thing you know, I'm five years in and I've just been to church service. Yeah, I know you got that. I heard that clap. No, that's all right. I'm a mosquito, remember? I'm sucking so much blood out of you, you can't even respawn. You're like. (laughs) Come on, it's just true. The angel came in the field when Jesus was born and said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. The good tidings is the birthplace of the great joy. The great joy is because of the good tidings. Well, the good tidings is here. We say we believe it. Where's the great joy? Why is life always speaking louder than truth? Why do you ask a Christian how they're doing and they tell you their two biggest challenges and say, keep me in prayer? Why is our prayer list that long and we're not walking in love? Because we're identifying with life and we're wondering in the long run where he's been and what we need to do different for him to move more on our behalf. And next thing you know, we're in a very self-conscious, self-centered relationship even in our Christianity. That's why we're mad at people. That's why we haven't talked to certain individuals. That's why marriages fall apart. And that's why relationships don't fly. Because it's all about me. When we sing, it's all about him. Come on, just let me talk plain to you. Can you see me shifting a little? Do you see me getting a little more serious right now? I can't help that. I'm not backing out of that. Listen, I love you doesn't always mean I love you. It usually means I need you. Don't pull out on me. Don't jump ship. You're making my world happen. Don't break my heart. Love you. That's why there's so much pain in I love you all the time. You know what love is? doesn't seek its own and it takes no account, no account. It doesn't take no account of the wrong done to it. That's love. Then why are we so busted up by each other? Why do we have issues? Why is the counseling running rampant? Why is it people struggling with people? Because we don't understand we're here to love. We're here to shine. We're here to take on the person of Jesus in our lives so the person of Holy Spirit can manifest that truth through us this way to others. And I'm, I'm talking bold and pointed and straight. Nothing else is Christianity. This is our goal. We should be going after it. It's not about failing. It's about becoming. So there's a total answer in everything I'm saying. You're not on some kind of meter where you're bad egg, bad, good egg. No, no, no. It's what we're going after. But if nobody just tells you straight and we don't make it plain, listen, we're on the earth for one reason, to shine. If you're distracted, you're not shining. If you're offended, you're not shining. If you don't believe you're forgiven, you're not shining. If you don't see the value through the cross, you're not shining. If people get on your nerves, you're not shining. If you don't look like your boss, you're not shining. Come on, I'm just talking plain. Why am I getting so aggressive? Because you're here. You're in the conference. This is awesome. You have all these testimonies. We're doing these outreach. Listen, you, you can hide behind that. You, you could just turn your life into a ministry machine. You know how many ministers get hurt in ministry? You know how many ministers make vital, major mistakes and never recover from those mistakes in the eyes of people because of the mistakes? Oh, I don't even know <laughs> 
I got to go here. How's ministers end up sleeping with somebody that's not their wife? How's worship leaders end up sleeping with the singer? How, how's it happen? Because we're not living Christ. We're singing about him. It's impossible to be in fellowship with God and sleep with somebody else's wife and be in intimacy with the Lord. It's impossible to have your identity in Christ and just have fallouts with people in relationship and not find peace, make peace, and find a way to make things work. It takes two to tango. It takes one to pursue peace. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. Yeah? It's not about who's right. If it's right and wrong, we're all wrong. He's right and we're done. It ain't right and wrong. It's righteousness. It's righteous. Righteous is different than right. Right makes you wrong. Righteous makes wrong things right. Here's what righteous says. Hey, I know where you've been. I know what you've done, but I know who you're created to be, and I know your potential, and I know what you can be if I live in you. So come unto me. I'm going to give you rest. Take that burden off your life. Wash you clean as if you never sinned, never failed. I'm going to put my life in you. Let's start now, and you have the present and things to come. Don't ever look back. Get the plow. Don't ever look back. Get the plow, and let's get moving, and let's have a harvest. That's Christianity. That's Scripture. Everything I'm saying is solid Scripture. It's all through Scripture. There's no other reason for the cross than to put his life inside of you to get the old life out of you. And the only prerequisite is you got to deny yourself. you got to understand you are not a Christian for you. You don't serve in ministry for you. You don't attend a church for you. You seek first the kingdom of God. You don't even do outreach or reach out for you. Are you all okay? I got to look at you. Them lights are bright. They're shadowing you a little. I, I'm not afraid to see your faces. I'll look for your faces. <laughs> You'd be like. I don't suggest you do that. Because it'll come harder and harder. And if you try to kill me, I won't die. <laughs> I got too much to do. <laughs> <laughs> Take a go at it, see. <laughs> fear. Self-centeredness and fear go hand in hand. Self-centeredness and offense go hand in hand. Self-centeredness and discouragement go hand in hand. Self-centeredness is the foundation. Everything else is the fruit. You get rid of self-centeredness, you lose the fruit. Whoa. Change the motive and get a new reason for being and get a new foundation in your life for no man can lay a foundation unless it be in who? Christ Jesus. Yeah? And you know them by their... Wow. And in this the Father is well pleased that you bear much fruit. The fruit is the fruit of righteousness. It's the nature of God on your life. The nature of God is the fruit or work of righteousness. Righteousness is the way God judges you through the blood. You were wrong. He made you right. You receive that, you see he first loved you, man, you love him, and now your life becomes love. And all of a sudden, you bear the fruit of what you are, tree of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he might be glorified, not that you might be blessed, fulfilled, and have your vats and barns full, and everything that's dear to you protected. What happens in tragedy if you don't have a deeper revelation? What happens when the unexpected comes? 
What happens if the thing you've been praying and praying and praying for doesn't come to pass or the thing you prayed that never happens happens? Then you're confused in quandary and now you lack relationship. Now you have questions about God instead of revelation about God. Now you even draw back from intimacy with him and your motives exposed once again. There is people in the church every week. Tomorrow is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. In three days there'll be services all over this country and there'll be discouraged people in the chairs because they're letting life speak louder than truth because they don't understand why they woke up in him. And they're going to need prayer and they're going to need ministry. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen at times. And sometimes you need to just hug somebody, hold somebody and walk them through and talk and need ministry. I get that. But there's a lot of us that we've been coming. Paul writes to Hebrews in Hebrews to him. I believe we believe it was Paul we were talking about in the car. I'm not totally sure, but I, I can accept that. But either way, the writer of Hebrews says says that we should all be past these things. These things are like basics. And when you look at his list, that we should move on from them into greater things, we should all be teachers. But now when you look at his list, it's like, this is stuff that we major on. And he said we should all done move past. Yeah? So I'm glad you're here. I don't know if you're glad I'm here anymore. No, my heart, my heart, my heart is for you. I don't have any need to correct you. I told you I'm here because I want to be. I didn't come here to spank you, to scold you. I came here with passion to tell you who I believe you are through the cross and what's possible and just to unlock potential and get you to look in the mirror and see what God has always seen. Because I'll tell you what, you're worth buying to him. Come on, if you pay 15 grand for the car, you're sure it's worth 15 grand or you wouldn't pay. You're trying to get that guy down to 13.5. Even when you think it's 15, you're still trying 13.5. Is that true? Come on, man. You Kelly Blue booked it. You did all the, and you're, you know it's 15 and you're still saying, eh, I'll give you 13.5. He's saying 14, 13.7, 13.8, sold. But in your heart, you know it's 15. You know it. And you're saying, whoo, I got a good deal on that. <laughs> God the Father wrote the check with the blood of Jesus for your life. Why? Because he thinks you're not worth what he's paying for? Why do we think it's blasphemy to talk like this? Why do we think we have to talk ourselves into the dirt and call that humility? That's called false humility. He knows what he created you for. He knows what he paid for. They ain't nobody paid a high price for nothing if they didn't think the purchase possession was worth what they paid. Now, ain't nobody ever taught me that in my entire Christian life. Everybody told me that he died because I was a filthy, wretched sinner. I was a filthy, wretched sinner. That's not why he died. He had to die to forgive my sin, but he died so he can get me free so he could put his life in me. Nobody ever finished the story. Nobody ever finished the story. And then nowadays, we know so much, so when you try to finish the story, everybody says you're wrong because we're not worth nothing. Well, we're worth the blood to him. He said, come up hither. He seated us in heavenly places. He said, as he is, so are we in this world. And any man that says he abides in him ought to walk even as he walked. And he's the firstborn among many brethren. And the things I do, you'll do if you believe. Sounds like I read that book and it's all scripture and you're not talking me out of it. If I can compel you to believe it, things will be good. Yeah. Look, I, you don't even have to believe me. My days of offense ended a long time ago. People that know me for 14, 15, that's why Tom gets emotional. He's known me for all those years. 
He knows how I live. I'm not saying that to compare me to you or to judge you or to be self-righteous. I'm saying this life is possible. I had a granddad that set his heart on not showing inconsistency to his grandkids and not showing disdain and anger and frustration. He decided he would show something different. So he said there wasn't a day he started that he wasn't on his knees receiving wisdom from the Lord so he could walk out his life in a certain manner. Well, when we buried him at 99 years old in about eight months and I did his funeral, I realized I never one time had my grandfather expressed discouragement, anger, disdain, or frustration in my direction as long as I could remember when I was 48 years old. Yeah, that is a wow. And you can't hardly teach that because then people say, well, that ain't my granddad. Or a granddad says, well, I sure blew that. And, and then it's all about compare ourselves among ourselves instead of learn and grow and become. So you can't tell me it's not possible. You got six little cousins. I'm number seven. And we're all running around at grandma and grandpa's and he ain't saying, would you shut up? Knock it off. You better listen to me. Never one time. When I shared that at the funeral, all my six cousins cried their little eyes out because they had the same testimony and realized grandfather had never sent one negative thing in any of our directions. And that's why we loved him and honored him because we saw him for who he was. Why do you think God's name is so butchered and marred and he's so many things in the minds of so many men? Because if you can't trust him, you can't be close to him. If you don't see him clear, you won't give yourself fully. But man, if you could just see him through his son and throw all that other stuff away, you could just see him through his son. If you could just find the love of God through the cross and just stay there and just camp there and just the lost child, the, 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 unsudden, the unexpected sudden death of your spouse, the tragedies, the trials, and all the stuff people say, if you could just separate God from all that long enough to let your heart get rooted and grounded in love and understand the love of God through the cross, then you'll see it and you'll judge everything else through the truth. So when my mom dies of sickness, yeah, when my wife is in a bad way for a long time, when my kids are making a bad decision, both of them, and, and all this stuff's going on, what, what does any of that have to do with who he is in me and why? Yay. <laughs> Oh, I found something. It's made me free. You say, you're out of your mind. Probably out of yours. Probably out of yours. You'd probably be calling for counsel because you're overwhelmed maybe. I don't know. That could be judgment. My wife was in identity crisis for eight years. I was a full-time pastor. She wouldn't even come to church. Wouldn't even come to church. I'm a full-time pastor. Come on. I got people calling me when four weeks are rocky and they're ready to give up. Should I move on? Should I look for another? Oh, I'm not being exaggerating. Eight years. You say eight years. That's a long time. Eight years isn't a long time. How long did God stay the same? When did he give up on you? When did God jump ship and bail? When did God judge you for your fruits instead of his potential and purpose towards your life? See, here's the deal. Eight years can't change truth. So if time can't change truth, why do we let time change truth? If heaven and earth is going to pass away, but his word's going to remain, why don't I live by the truth? So if my wife's in trouble and needs Jesus and he's in me, now's not the time to be a frustrated husband. That would be self-centered. Now's the time to be like Christ and love her like he loves the church. 
Well, brother, she ain't submitting. Okay, so every time you don't submit, God should just cut you off and never look again your way? Oh, come on, I'm on you here. See, if you can't put the way we've lived in the heart of God and make it fit, whoever saw Jesus just dropped the cross. Did you read in the gospel where he dropped the cross and said, I had enough? They hit me with one more stick, and I'll tell you, Lord, they hit me with one more stick. He's beaten beyond description for doing nothing wrong by men that are critical and angry and frustrated and full of pride, fallen men, but he won't judge them for their fall. He won't judge them for their sin. He's judging them for purpose and potential and destiny. And he knows if he be lifted up, he can draw all men unto him. I'd call that love. I'd call that a rock. I'd call that something amazing. Yeah? This isn't just some suffering Savior, poor Jesus. This is love manifested. This is him saying, this is what I made you to be. Follow me. We turned it in to sing to him, pray to him, am I overwhelmed? And I sure hope I'm making heaven. And he said, follow me. The things I do, you'll do if you believe. So everything's after your believer. Everything in life is out to own your believer. He's the author of your faith. He should be the finisher of your faith. You don't start off well and then find something you believe along the way apart from him. He started it, and he'll stop it if you keep your eyes on him. He'll take you to the end is what I mean when I say stop it. He'll take you to the end. Who gave me a reason to believe? He did. Showed me what to believe. So when my wife's hurting and needs him, he's in me, and I ain't frustrated. And I don't need counsel, and I ain't ready to give up and throw her out on a heap. Why? Because she needs me to love her. Just like I needed him to love me when I was in that place. See, so if I didn't learn it from him, I didn't learn it at all. He didn't show me what frustration looks like. He never taught me how to give up. He never showed me to change my mind to the value of anyone. He didn't give me the counsel. Well, you know, you can't control a person's will. You just never know. Sometimes, brother, you just got to move on. I'm glad you weren't God's counselor. Oh, this stuff just, it's the wisdom of the world and it's foolishness in the sight of God because it gives men rights when they're supposed to be dead. Here's what I never understood. How can you deny yourself and be so full of rights? How can you seek first the kingdom and be so hurt and offended and bothered by so many things if you're really seeking first the kingdom of God? How can you deny yourself and have so many issues? I think we need to preach this louder and stronger and let people come through this narrow gate, this narrow way. Few are those who find it confined and difficult is the way. It's true. I read the Bible. You ain't talking me out of it. No, I've been living this thing for 26 years. I feel it on me when I talk about it. It's fun. It's fun to be free. You say, you're not free. You're out of your mind. We'll find out. Someday we'll all find out. But I got my chips on free. I just know 26 years I have to handle the excitement talking about it just so I communicate it well because I'm fired up I'm playing it way cool for you today I'm just communicating because I'm in that position to teach but I'm pretty fired up it's good to be free it's fun to be free it's fun not to take account of suffer wrongs 
It's exciting to be in a place like I'm telling you and not think you even need prayer because you see clear and not feel hurt and weary and barely hanging on. And if God don't move, it's midnight hour. What? I don't think the Lord was ever had his hair wrapped around his hands rocking at midnight saying, I'm so ready to let go of that boy if he don't change soon. He has, man, it's good I don't slumber because he'd keep me up every night. <sighs> No, where sin abounded, grace came greater to separate me from sin and to save me. Love covered a multitude of sin. Mercy was busy triumphing over judgment. That's all scripture. That's the Lord. So whoever saw the chapter in your Bible where Jesus just got frustrated and dropped the cross and said, I had enough. You ain't never seen that? You ain't never seen that. You never read that. Did you read the whole New Testament? Where he's heading to Golgotha and he just drops the cross and says, I've had enough. I can't. I'm not doing this anymore. Are you kidding me, Lord? I've done everything you asked me, and the more I do, the more they criticize and backbite. You let me hear their thoughts. Their thoughts ain't cool. This is not good. Barabbas, are you kidding me? He kills a man. I raise the dead. They want to let him go and kill me. He causes conspiracy. I'm trying to bring peace, and they want to crucify me. These people are whacked, man. If they didn't change, they ain't changing. They should have changed. How many miracles did I do? How many... I multiply their food, and they just want more food. They don't want to hear what I have to say. I'm done, man. I ain't taking another step, and if they hit me with one more stick, I'm telling you. So you ain't never saw him do that? It's because he never could and never would. Why? Not because he's Jesus. Because he's love. And that's what he wants you to follow. He doesn't want, to want you to follow Jesus, Son of God. You can't follow God, but you can follow love. Jesus said, follow me because there's something about him you can follow. And he gave you the wonderful person of Holy Spirit if you're willing. You know what I learned in a room this size? There's a whole lot of people that don't want to become loved. They want to hold on to the rights they inherited through Adam. And they want to claim born again and hold on to the rights and the identity that they got through man. And they use the wisdom of the world. And they have lines that can be crossed and chips that can be knocked off. And they already are talking themselves out of love when I'm talking, yeah, but, and they're painting these nasty scenarios, but I'm supposed to, and I'm just supposed to, and be somebody's doormat, and they're going to, and I ain't enabling nobody, man. And their hearts are even frustrated and hard when they're painting their scenarios. Man, I'm glad he's not like that. We'd have pushed him to the brink, and he'd have broke. Here we are sitting with God's spirit if we have his spirit in us and I believe many of us do. Here we are sitting with God's spirit in us because he's love. And he told us to become the same thing to everybody. The goal, 1 Timothy 1, 5 of our instruction is what? It's love. It comes through a pure heart, a sincere faith, a pure heart, a clear conscience and an un, unfeigned, our childlike faith. That's where love comes from. The whole reason God sent his son is to restore us back to love. Why? Because he made man for his image and the image got lost through sin. And man became a God unto himself. And man became self-justified, self-defending, self-protecting. And Lord of his own image. <sighs> Jesus took on the likeness of sinful flesh and never sinned and paid a price. Put his life back inside of us and get the image back in all of us again. Yeah? 
See, we don't think about this stuff. We think it's blasphemous. We think, you can't talk like that. We're just people. Well, we're created to be sons and daughters of Almighty God. If we're calling Him Father, that means we're sons and daughters. Don't get weird with me. Come on. If we're calling Him Father, then you're sons and daughters. When, when Jesus called God his Father in John 5, they wanted to kill him all the more. It was bad enough he healed on the Sabbath, but now you just crossed a major line. You called God your Father. And he deserved to die all the more, therefore making himself equal with God. Now, I'm not saying we're God. I'm saying we're sons and daughters of God. He made us with intention. He made us part of the family. He made us join heirs with Christ. Heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. That's Scripture. That's God's idea. We ought to just, humility says, okay. Pride says, well, I don't know. You know, it just sounds a little high-minded to me. You know what we do? We relate to who we've been so much that we fail to release faith to step into who we're called and created to be. So we judge ourselves by ourselves. We let experience outweigh grace that's here to transform our lives if we're willing. And we think the way we've been is the way we're always going to be. We call it normal. And we think anything that doesn't look like that is a show, denial, or stuffing emotions instead of transformation of life. Come on, he said, old things will pass away and all things will become what? Okay, so is all things new in the Christian? Attitude, mentality, reason for being, purpose, motive? Come on. If he said... If you're in Christ, you're a new creation, old things have passed away. Why is that just the bad stuff we did and don't want to remember? All things have become. How many? I bet that's your motive. I bet that's your reason for being. I bet that's your attitude. I bet that's the why behind your life. See, if your why doesn't get clean in Christianity, you'll never walk out your faith. If why you're a Christian never really meets why he wants you to be a Christian. If they never connect, then why would you walk in the grace available to make you what he paid for if you don't see what he paid for or want what he paid for? Are you with me? Yes. Come on, man. Blessed are the peacemakers. We'll never get around it. It doesn't say blessed are the nitpickers, issue-driven, fault-finders, critical, peacemakers. If I can't find the way I'm thinking in Jesus and make him think that way and make it click. Like, did you ever just see Jesus bummed out? Like, did you ever see Jesus just hanging out on the Mount of Olives in your Bible and he's just sitting there just kind of ho-humming it? And Peter comes up and wraps his arm around him. Lord, what's going on? I've never seen your count. I was like, don't Lord me and try to preach to me, Peter. <laughs> Unless you're in my shoes, you don't even understand. You don't even know what it feels like day in and day out and day in and day out. You're trying to do right. You're trying to do good. People are thronging you like, oh, Jesus, hey, hey. Like they all care and they ain't one of them for me. They're all critical. You ought to hear their thoughts. God lets me hear their thoughts every day. It's, you wouldn't even handle it, Peter. You know, you, you don't know what it's like to feed them. And they're like, wow, miracle. And then two, three days later, they track me down. Oh, they want another meal. They could care less what I'm saying, Peter. I'm just, listen, I, I just, I, you don't know what it's like to have so much love in you and nobody loving you back. You care and nobody seems to care. I'm just not going out there today, man. They're going to throng me. They're just needy. They want healed, but they don't want to listen. And I ain't going out there, man. You guys just, oh, Jesus, don't, don't Jesus me. <laughs> 
I'm just going to hang back. I just need quiet time. You know, we all need downtime, Peter. We all need downtime. We all need our space. We all need space. So just chill and give me space. No, John, no, not today. Get away. Stop. Not today. Let me lay, in fact, let me lay my head on you, John. Anybody ever see that in Jesus in your Bible? You're not going to. He can't do that because he's love. So here's the deal. So we didn't learn it from him because he never taught us that. So why are we uncomfortably laughing at every illustration because we so relate to it because it's been the wisdom of every one of us. But yet Jesus never taught us any of it. And he's a good teacher and he said you have one teacher and he's the Christ and let nothing else or no one else be your teacher. You have one. Well, if we didn't learn any of this from Jesus but yet it's the way we've all been then we must have learned it through the fall of God, of man and the separation from God. So then the rise of Christ takes away sin. We can get back in him and back in God so this all changes. So old things pass away. All things become new. See, that's simple. So this mentality and this privilege and this permission to be in this place has to die along with new life. So you have to put off the old to put on the new. Or you try to pour new wine into an old wineskin. Read it. How's that work? Doesn't, does it? you got to make the wineskin new. Here's what I'm basically saying tonight. you got to settle in your heart. You know what? Wow, I was made on the earth for a reason and a purpose. This relationship is incredible. God said, he's my father. He told Jesus to tell us when we pray to pray, saying, our father. They wanted to kill Jesus for calling God his father. But when he taught us to pray, he said, pray, saying, our father. What's he saying? Guys, you want to kill me for saying, and he's not only my father, he's your father too. But they were so estranged from him that to call him father was blasphemous and worthy to be death. And he said, when you pray, pray saying, our father. He prayed in John 17. He said, Father, man, I pray that they become one just like you and I are one. Because if they can become one like we're one, then the world will know that you sent your son. This thing is not about having a more spirit-filled service. This thing is about every one of us walking in the new life that he paid for. This isn't about some more intense outpouring of God. And studying all the revivals of all the generations. I'm not being mean about that and saying it wasn't a purpose and a point. God knows what he's doing. But if we'd have another one of those without getting revelation of our identity, we'd just be another in history. And then everybody would be going for their day and their outpouring. Honestly, at some point, somebody needs to look at all that and say, God has really done a lot to make himself known and manifest. We must be missing a point here. So now we're just waiting for another outpouring instead of becoming something through it all. He said in John 4 that there's a well springing up. If you drink his water and you drink of him, there'll be a well springing up into everlasting life. He's talking about born again. In John 7, he says, if you believe in me as the scriptures say, 
Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. A well springing up into everlasting life is a different description than a river pouring out of your belly. It says, this he spake of the Spirit who had not yet been given because he had not yet been glorified. What's he saying? I want to fill you with my Spirit so he pours out of you onto people. If you don't know who you are, you're still waiting for something that's already here. Or you don't even know what you're waiting for. Sometimes, guys, we get reduced. I'm not being mean. Sometimes we get reduced to just hoping our day goes better. That somebody treats us nice. That somebody says the right thing. Some of us have a parent that never encouraged us. We're just longing for the day they say the right thing. They don't ever have to say the right thing for you to become the right thing. They don't ever have to change for you to live transformed. Look, my dad was an alcoholic my whole life growing up. You can't tell that when you see me. To this day, I don't have a memory of my dad saying, I love you. I don't have a memory of that to this day. It's just not something he does. I don't know if I've ever heard him say that. What does that matter? I'm not living for the day my dad says I love you. My father in heaven said I love you through Christ on a tree. And now I find identity through Jesus so I have a healthy view of my dad. So now I'm not a hurting son that was neglected or had to grow up and now my past is my tomorrow and then yesterday is always tomorrow. Well, you don't know what it was like growing up, brother. Stop. You're 45. Just stop. A psychologist might play with that for two years. I'm telling you, stop. I'm sorry they weren't there for you. I'm sorry, uncle, whoever did what he did to you. But listen, along the way, truth has come and Christ was risen from the dead. He gave himself on a tree. When do you start finding your identity through Christ Jesus? You say, you can't talk that way. Wonder if I can. Wonder if I was touched wrong. Do we always need to relate? Do I always need to be in your shoes? Do you always have to go through the hell I went through so we can talk? Or do we just need a common answer? Because if I go to the beginning and go through the rows and we just talk about all the hell we've been through, at the end all we'll assess is who's been through the most hell and then we'll be so in fear and trembling because we can't relate. We can't even help them because we can't relate. And we could just go through all our sad stories. We all have stories. And some would be really bad. And all we'd learn is who's been through the most hell, and then we'll sing it's all about heaven. <laughs> look, when you look at me, you can't tell my mom was sick 40 years that I carried her to bed and changed her diapers, but the dad was an alcoholic all my life growing up. You can't tell that. You can't tell my wife was in identity crisis for eight years, had a violent seizure, was in brain damage, in a coma, on life support. You can't see my kids made, but you can't see none of that. Because you're not supposed to. Because none of that has a thing to do with who Christ is on the inside of me. It's not my story. It's the circumstances of life. My story is let us make man in our image. So God made man in his image. And when man stepped out of the image through sin and disobedience, he said, I have a lamb. He's already slain. He's on the way. Yeah. So now I guess I find out if I'm a believer or if I have a Christian confession. Or am I a believer? Have I denied myself? Have I picked up my cross? Am I following him? 
where I just sing to him when the worship's right? Or do I pray out my list because I'm overwhelmed? Or am I following him? I want to call you into being followers. And I want to say every one of us can follow him. Yeah? Every one of us can walk in the light as he's in the light. Every one of us can shine. I counseled so many marriages when my wife wouldn't come to church. I had people call me. It was so funny, sadly funny. They'd tell me their stuff. I'd begin to give them direction. They'd say, well, I couldn't expect you to understand. It's just not that simple, Pastor. You're obviously a very blessed man, and you don't even know what I'm going through. And they were going through a scratch of what I was dead heat in the middle of. But yet I didn't see a problem because all I see is an answer. I'm not a man loaded down with 20 problems. I got one incredible answer. It covers everything. And it's not denial. It's true. I'm not on the earth for me. I already died, so you can't kill me. You can't hurt me. You can't offend me. I actually believe this. I actually wake up. Mercy gave me another day to look more like him. So I'm going to take advantage of that and grow up into him in all things. Yeah? Yeah. Why is this so important tonight? Because this thing we're here for, walking in love, you'll never do it if you're so distracted with all this other stuff. If you don't get rooted and grounded in this truth, life's just going to throw you all around and eat you up. And by time, you don't have to give because you're not your own. You're not for sale. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. Come on, it's scripture. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. So if my motive's not edifying, I should challenge it because I'm not my own. If I'm going to work with a bad attitude, I should be convicted because I'm not my own. Oh, I can feel that's not a real happy example. No, it's a good giveaway. It's a barometer that you're thinking for yourself. You're not thinking for the kingdom. If you're just bummed out praying for a new job, hopefully a Christian atmosphere, you're probably missing the value of your coworkers. You're probably just caught up with stuff and memories and what they said, and you're just stuck in a rut in remembering yesterday. And getting a new job isn't the answer because you'll take the same lie into the new job. And after about 10 years, you could end up with a hard heart and you think job ain't worth working and nobody really appreciates. Now you're jaded and hurt by life and yet the giver of it's on the inside of you. Come on, I know that sounds harsh and straight, but it's intended to be straight. It's not harsh. And if that's you, just say, oops. And make sure it's not you when you leave. That's how easy repentance is. Duh. Why is repentance some three-month Tear fest and ooh. And two more months of regret and three more months of counsel talking about it. No, wonderful repentance is duh. Man, was I deceived. Woo, I see what you're saying, man. I'm going to start applying this. I'm going after this. Holy Spirit, would you make this real? That's repentance. Change the way they, duh. I wish we'd all just do a good solid duh. Yeah? Duh. Why have I been arguing with her? Why am I so angry with him? Why am I giving my spouse the silent treatment, pushing my emotional control all around in this marriage? And then I go, holy, holy, holy. How you doing, honey? I'm fine. Well, you don't seem, I'm fine. Why are you always, don't be insecure. I told you I'm fine. I'm fine. And then you go to work that way. 
With no communication, silent treatment, making sure your spouse knows you're not fine as you're saying you're fine. That's called control. That's manipulation. That's called not knowing Jesus like you could. Your spouse could be way wrong, but you just made yourself wrong. See, you can be so right, you end up wrong. If Jesus took that mentality and addressed us from that place, we're done. That's how I know it's wrong. You with me? Come on, that spouse and silent treatment thing hits everybody that's been married because it's what we do. And instead of communicate it and get it right, say, listen, whatever it is I did, and I just love you to talk to me about it because it's not my intention. And all of a sudden you can try to make some peace. But even if your spouse is unwilling, you say, well, my spouse isn't willing to do that. If I try to talk, they'll just get meaner. Okay, so you just stay nice and find your identity through Christ and don't find your identity through their lack of whatever they're giving right now. And you just let them enjoy the process of seeing you in Christ without you projecting and preaching and trying to look like something spiritual. Just where they see you're absolutely okay. I read scripture, if I'm not mistaken, it says you never repay evil for evil, that you actually overcome evil with good, that you tone down a harsh word with a kind word, that mercy triumphs over judgment, (laughs) that love actually covers a multiplicity of sin. If I'm not mistaken, I read all that in that book that's right behind me that I haven't even opened yet because it's open in my heart right now. Now, somebody will say, he preached that whole time and never even read one scripture. Okay. (laughs) Amen. You guys okay? He wouldn't have paid what he paid and did what he did and wrote what he wrote if we couldn't say yes and live this. So let me end with this conviction. You have as much of Jesus as you're pursuing and you want. And you, have, you can have as much of him as you desire. Because he ain't holding back. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Yeah? So to walk in love, the first prerequisite. And we'll talk. I think I'm doing the morning session tomorrow. And we'll teach on this. How easy it is to become love. And how important it is to become love. So we'll put a lot of explanation in the teaching session. Of what I just stirred you to think about tonight. Because tonight I just stirred you to think about something that's impossible to live. If you decide to. You can't live it on your own. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to do that, brother. No, you become that. Tomorrow I'll teach you how to become that. You don't do it, you become it. And that's why you can go year after year after year after year and stay the same. God's the same. Yeah? So if his motive doesn't change and you get in a place where yours doesn't change, I bet you'll have consistency. Don't forget, he said, follow me. It must be possible. Unless you think he was just kidding around and they're like up there laughing hysterical at you trying. <laughs> He's actually took me serious.
I'm minus 50 seconds. That's not good. <laughs> it's never good when you look up at this gigantic, it's probably eight feet across, six feet anyway. Minus one, oh, three, four, five, six. Okay. Because it doesn't stop. Stop for Joshua, Lord. I'm in a better covenant. Like plus seven would be amazing right now. Oh, didn't work. <laughs> I got to quote this scripture with you real quick for you, real quick. First John 4, 7, 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God and everyone who loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Watch. He who loveth not, love, doesn't seek its own, takes no account of a suffered wrong, never rejoices in iniquity, always rejoices in truth. It's patient, it's gentle, it's kind. It's love. He who loveth not, he who's not patient, gentle, kind, doesn't rejoice in truth, doesn't seek its own, and takes no account of suffering. He doesn't live that way, doesn't know God. Doesn't say you don't see your need for a Savior. Doesn't say you're not sorry for your sins. Doesn't say you didn't take the cross serious. But what it does say is, if you don't love, there's one reason, not two. Or one of two, there's one. You don't know him like you could. You don't pray a prayer to go to heaven. You get born again to have relationship with the eternal one. That's why you'll live forever. The goal isn't going to heaven. The goal is heaven coming into you and being one with the father. We teach Jesus the way to heaven. He didn't say that. He said, I'm the way back to the father. He said, this is eternal life that you might know him. The only true God. So eternal life is knowing him. If you loveth not, you don't know him. You might be sincere. You prayed a prayer to go to heaven. You stay plugged into your church, but you don't walk in love. It's because you don't know him. Knowing him is the transformation of your life. That means you can't know him without becoming more like him. He's pretty influential. Come on, I'm just telling you Bible. If you love, you know him. If you don't love, you don't know him. It's not my sermon. It's his barometer. You can be gifted and not love. You can itinerant speak and not love. You can pastor and not love. You can lead worship and not love. The goal isn't to do all these ministerial things. The goal is to love because it never fails. And it won't be hurt. It won't be jaded. And it won't repay evil for evil. It'll overcome evil with good. And it's exactly how God abides. And he put who he is in us so we can live that way on the earth. I promise you. Would you stand to your feet with me? Man, I don't know where my time went. You can tell him, I don't know where Tom is, but I got a grievance to file or something. He, he couldn't have gave me much time. The first thing you got to do tonight is believe that what I preached is even possible and separate from all the things we call normal. People say, well, yeah, but we're always going to be angry. You're always going to get hurt. You're always going to. Well, I guess that's why you'll continue to live that way, because you continue to believe that way. See, if you're trying to forgive, you're in unforgiveness. 
That seems to be as far as we Christians tend to make it a lot of times. Well, I'm trying to forgive. That means you're in unforgiveness. Why do we have such a grid for something we were never created for? Because it's all we've known. So why don't we put it off and have no grid for unforgiveness? wonder if unforgiveness is, is, is unpermissible because you've been forgiven of everything you've ever done. wonder if you actually receive the forgiveness and mercy of the Lord in such a way that it touches you in such a way that all you see is mercy towards people. I asked the Lord a long time ago. Exactly, it wasn't crazy long ago. It was probably three years ago because I was, I was just, I'm around people so much and I'm, I'm personal with people so much. And I said, Lord, why do people have such a hard time forgiving others? He said, they've never tasted the beauty of being forgiven. They don't understand how clean they are in my sight that they're totally forgiven. They still feel guilty. They still feel accountable. They still remember. They still regret. They still feel bad. So they look at others through the eyes they see themselves through. He said, if they'd ever taste the beauty of what it means to be forgiven and clean, they would absolutely love people the way I love them. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast today. If this message has impacted your life, we invite you to check out cityquake.org. Just so you know, our policy here at CityQuake is to offer messages like this one for no charge. Why is that? We want to bless as many people as possible. Would you consider sewing into CityQuake today to help us get these messages out to even more folks out there? Also on the CityQuake website, you'll be able to find links to testimonies of what God has done out there in the streets and also find out our CityQuake schedule. That's cityquake.org. Until next time.